everyone match volume is back and we've got some new hosts in the house and we cannot wait for this season i'm sadie olson you may recognize me from a few match volume episodes last semester and i'm hala osgar you may know my voice from the show from where we are or the podcast tidbit all right i want to start each episode with something we're obsessed with what are you obsessed with sadie Well, I just scored concert tickets to the Growlers, and they are doing a very special Halloween weekend concert, and it's three days called the Beach Goth Halloween. I cannot wait. My friend and I are going to go in our costumes, and it's going to be so much fun, and I'm obsessed. What are you obsessed with? Well, being in a dorm right now with the kitchen, I need good recipes, and what better else than the app paprika this is not sponsored i'm just i just want to be their biggest ambassador for it um paprika is a great app where you can basically type in the recipe that you're looking for and you ever look at a recipe where there's like a long list of photos and stories that you don't really care about and you just want to get to the cooking yep this one takes out all the stories and it just shows you the ingredients and the recipe and it's amazing that's amazing and i need it Okay, so this week we're talking about a topic every Trojan knows well. Yep, you guessed it. Scandals. On this episode, we have Annenberg journalist Sasha Urban to talk about his experience reporting on the scandals. And we have USG president and vice president Trenton Stone and Maheen Tawson to talk about the future of USC. And to start us off, we asked some USC students how these controversies have affected their perspective on USC. The scandal has affected me, maybe not me personally, but when people talk about USC and the fact that I go there, they always bring it up and it's kind of a joke or like a laughing matter and it kind of, I guess it hurts my pride a little bit because... I worked my butt off to get into USC and to have it just scandalized like that. And I guess it is a little, um, a little embarrassing. As far as how it affected me, when I told people I was going to USC last year, it's a little different than how they react now. Um, because that, at least in my time at USC, is the most notable thing that's happened to USC in the past year or so. Uh, did not really affect me in any way, other than it's interesting to read the news about it. I kind of hope it doesn't affect how people look at my degree, but other than that, I haven't put too much thought into it. I don't think that this will overall have a significant effect on the University of Southern California. It was a convenient angle for the media to address USC because of its connection to Hollywood. I would say the scandal has a lot of impact on me because first of all, I created my own content, I have my own channel. Well, at first, when I say something about my school, like my comments, I can see my comments say, this is a really good school. And then after those scandals, I can see comments like, oh wait, I know that school. Is that school with um, like the doctor issue? I'm here speaking with Sasha Urban, a junior at USC who recently covered the sexual abuse scandal of former USC Health Center doctor, Dennis Kelly. Thank you, Sasha, for coming to speak with us. Thanks for having me. All right, so you're currently a junior, and from my understanding, you came to USC with the intention of studying drama. Now, with your work being published in BuzzFeed News and having been recognized by both the New York Times and the LA Times, 
Has your projected career path changed at all? Um, I think I've always really wanted to be a writer. Like I, I love writing and being and and journalism in general, and I love reading journalism. Um, with this specific situation, I had already switched into the journalism major before I wrote this article, but the impetus behind writing this article and doing the investigation in the first place was less so about um, my like career goals to like be an investigative journalist because I don't think I necessarily seeing my, see myself doing that. Um, it was more that I had spent a year covering USC and this felt like the next obvious step because I was so interested in these topics and it was a subject that I really cared about and I really felt like it wasn't getting enough coverage or attention anyway. Um, so the it was more kind of a good like blending of things and even like you said like coming here for drama like I felt like doing so much theater like growing up um, a lot of the things that I was learning were basically just how to communicate with other people and how people choose to communicate so much of theater is just analyzing the ways in which people use words to get points across and to get the things that they want um, and what is journalism if not that um, because it's so much about the way you communicate with your sources the way you communicate with the readers um, all of that so it kind of just ended up being a good blending of things. And I think I'd probably see myself being a journalist, but um, it was really the specific subject matter that made me want to do it. Great. And so touching upon that subject matter, this past summer, I believe, you did some reporting as an intern through the USC Beacon Project. Tell me a little more about that. Yeah, so that was what that uh, story was. I spent the entire summer doing it through the Beacon Project, um, and they originally hired six of us to do um, investigations into USC's culture and governance. Uh, and when we first applied, we all had to say in our cover letter what topic we wanted to uh, address in our summer reporting uh, and how we would go about that um, and what we're generally interested in. And I'm pretty sure I was the only one who came in out of the six who ended up actually working on the story that <clears throat> the story that. I had originally pitched in my cover letter. Um, I had said off the bat, like, I want to know more about Dennis Kelly and who these men are and what they experienced and whether any of them complained to the university. Uh, and that's exactly what I got to do. So that was cool. Um, it was awesome working here. 40 hours a week was crazy. Um, I just never, I've never had a full-time job like that before, but um, I really couldn't have done any of this without the faculty support. So this was really a good experience for me to see like how smart so many of our journalism faculty members are. Great. Yeah, that's wonderful that you really saw a topic that you wanted to do and you went forth with it. Yeah. Too many problems are dealt with negligence. Okay, so um, what are some other topics that have been covered through the Beacon Project or what are topics that people applied to that were interested in covering originally? One thing that the Beacon Project focused on a lot, and I was some, uh, sometimes involved with this as well, was there are just so many reports that the university has said that it's commissioned and no one knows where those reports are. There was a report into Carmen Pugliafito, who's the medical school dean that no one's seen before. No one even knows if it exists. There were two reports into Tyndall. One of them was only made public through uh, a court order uh, that was filed by the LA Times. And there's multiple other ones. So that was the second story that came out was a, a story called, I think it was like, Like the Kremlin, which is what one of the quotes that someone had said about uh, USC's issues with transparency. So as a general theme, a lot of people were focusing on, even for my story, like the Tyndall report obviously is of importance to my reporting. Um, so we had like Austin Pay was the one who wrote that story. And he, um, he kind of did like a general, it was more of a um, explainer piece or like a in, uh, informative piece. Uh, just kind of going through all those reports saying how many days it's been since that since those reports came out, what they promised that they would say, what they've said on the record about those reports being made public. For many of them, uh, Board Chairman Rick Caruso or another USC official has said this report will be made public, and yet we still have no idea where they are or what they have in them. Um, and then I think the the main focus of the internship, I think, was the college admission scandal. This was something this was formed right after the admission scandal happened during spring break. 
Um, so a lot of people were looking into different areas of that. I know that was something that I like completely was not involved in at all. Like I was focusing on a whole different story, things that I already knew about. Um, so that was a really big focus. That's something that um, I think a lot of people have found really interesting and enthralling because it's high profile celebrities and so much money has gone into this um, and so many unanswered questions. So um, that was a big focus of the project as well. Mm -hmm. You had touched a little bit upon transparency. And so one thing that I noticed, especially reading your article, is I caught myself spiraling down this rabbit hole. You know, you would link another scandal or you would link something else and I would click on that and then that would take me to something else. And then that article would take me to something else. And so what are your thoughts on that? And how how do you want to educate other people about really how much is going on at USC? I think that was actually one of the biggest difficulties of the story was that... Um, this and what made it so interesting and what made it so crazy was that um, on its own, a doctor uh, allegedly sexually abusing 48 male patients is like crazy, awful, um, newsworthy on its own. That wasn't the hard part. It wasn't hard to communicate like this is bad. It was hard to kind of communicate the details under which it occurred and to explain to people like why it's bad and the details of, of the appointments and all of that. But more than that, um, providing actual context for the system under which this abuse took place. Um, this was the second doctor in the same health center to abuse patients. And the doctor, Dennis Kelly, he left USC, the student health center, after it had moved under Keck Medicine, which on its own has had, as you know from reading the article, its own multitude of sexual harassment scandals. So like the, the context is always important for any story, but for this one, especially important because I think, and I, I say this all the time, but um, at a university in which most of the population is cycling out every four years, um, people forget there's amnesia. It's inevitable. People are going to show up excited for their football game and not going to know anything about what happened two years ago. There are students on this campus who don't know about any of these scandals. But I'm glad to hear that you like clicked on the link and did your own research after that because that's what we were hoping people would do. I also, even like me, someone who like spent the whole summer like doing as much re research as possible on USC and learning about this story and all of that, I am still surprised with new scandals every few weeks. Like there's a new one that comes up. I'm like, I didn't know about that one. I just found out that there was a church, uh, there was a priest in our Catholic church on campus who was abusing students in the early 2000s. No one told me about that one. I had no idea. Um, I forget his name. So even I, who think, I like, I like to think that I have a good understanding of the scandals at USC, um, there's always a new one. So then what was it like being at the forefront of this specific scandal? You know, accusations and complaints and warnings were already given to the Student Health Center way before this article was published. And it really took these lawsuits and your article to get awareness out there. So what was it like being responsible almost or being at the forefront really of this article? It was a lot of pressure for sure because um, this was definitely like the biggest thing I'd ever done journalistically and um, definitely um, the most serious topic I've had to cover. And there was a lot of pressure on me to like obviously make sure everything is accurate and correct, um, but also um, having emotional authority when I'm talking to these people in the story and having some kind of empathy because of the subject matter and because of the, like you said, the fact that this really wasn't something that people were aware of and to have the full weight on me of like needing to communicate these issues to a broader audience, people who have no idea what's going on at USC or people who have some idea but don't know about this one. Because of that responsibility with the specific subject matter, there was kind of a la an added layer beyond the accuracy and correctness of the work that had to do with like emotional responsibility. Um, so that specific factor within all of it was definitely hard to, because um, you can't really like, you can't like analyze that. Like I can't like think about how I'm doing, how I'm doing in my work on an emotional level. Like how am I communicating things in an empathetic way? How am I 
um, speaking about my work when I'm not actually writing things in a way that um, accurately represents all sides of the story, all of that. That's just like an ongoing struggle that I have to like make sure that I'm not letting my emotions get the best of me. And it's hard not to be like so angry about this all of the time, but I can't because that's not my job. My job is to just put out the facts as accurately as possible and let other people get angry about it. It all paid off in the end to have taken my time and like not um, let the emotions get the best of me. Absolutely. I think you did a great job with journalistic values and being objective and even myself reading through your article I got upset too you know my notes in the beginning I was just furious at all of this and I had to really tone myself down for this interview to prepare for it because it's upsetting you know and people need to know about this so going off of that what are some comments and other feedback that you have gotten negative or positive from people just out in the public uh in general it's been um obviously to the work itself not to the subject matter of the work but um the response has been overwhelmingly positive. The fact that I was that I did this as a student journalist um, definitely shifted some of the attention away from like what the story was, and it was so weird to get no, uh, messages being like, "Congratulations, I'm so happy for you," and I'm like, "Thank you." Ah, like it's so hard to like speak about this in any kind of like happy way. Um, while I was like really proud of the work that I was doing and everything, um, obviously I'm trying to maintain the the understanding that this is not like something to be excited about or anything. I'm not happy that. these things happen I am happy that I was given the opportunity to investigate these abuses we had one tiny tiny factual error about we said that the entire medical school was placed on probation when it was only there 68 fellowships and um and um fellowships and residencies um which like so frustrating to have to put a correction but um other than that everything was like totally accurate and there were no issues with that so I was really proud of that and that was pointed out by a lot of people saying um Thank you for such thorough work, for such thorough investigative work. Evidently, you've done a lot of research in order to get this article published. You've interviewed a lot of people. And one of those people that you did try and get comments from was Dr. Kelly himself. So what was going through your mind as you made your way to Dr. Kelly to try and get him to comment? Um, I don't know, nerves, first of all, like just having to, this was someone who at this point I hadn't really been working on it for too long. It was maybe like three or four weeks that I'd been working on the story. Um, but the first thing I did when I started the investigation was learn everything that I could about his life, his medical background, where he's from, how old he is, how long he's worked at USC, where else he worked. So I had a pretty good understanding. He didn't have much of a, a an online um, footprint. But in general, I knew a good amount about him. Um, and I had a lot of questions just to, like about his life and like his career and like why he chose to go into medicine, what training he received. He graduated from medical school in 72. Um, so really, in my mind, I was a trying to calm my nerves, but b um, not jumping to like the. I was trying to keep my mind in a place that wasn't going to jump to like the questions that I think like most students would ask if they saw him on the street or something like that. Um, I really did go with the intention of having a like five hour conversation with him about everything that's happened in his life, understanding every bit that I could about him. And we really did give him an opportunity multiple times to comment. And we, by the end of it, when we were getting ready to publish like a week before, we sent him like a, about, I guess about five pages, maybe more or less, um, like a letter with like a bullet point summary of every single thing that we were going to say in the story that involved him. So he got it in a FedEx overnight letter uh, and we gave him like four or five days to respond to it and he never did. So um, we really did go out of our way to make sure that he was aware of exactly what was going to go into the story and that if I were to get an interview with him, that it wouldn't be impromptu or anything like I had a list of questions with me and I was just trying to keep myself in a calm state definitely so you've done a lot of research for the story you got it published you've gotten good feedback now do you see yourself covering any more stories like this in the future 
I definitely... Well, I definitely am going to be following this story as it develops. Right now, they have court dates set for August and October of next year. Um, so, like, at the least, I'll be at those trials. Um, but I definitely, like, after the summer, I was like, I want to take a break from this subject matter for sure because it's just hard to kind of uh, focus on this so much. But even, like, right after the story was published, the story was published, and there was, like, a five-second period. Literally, the story was published at, like, what was it? Set was it I think 7 45 a.m the, the story was published and I was like whoo like we're good and then 8 12 a.m I get a message or like 8 10 or something I get a message from a former UCLA student who says I saw Dr. Kelly he abused me too and I was like we have to start all over now and then I had to like go back into it and then do the second follow-up story that was about um about the the first patient to allege Dr. Kelly of abuse alleged that Dr. Kelly had abused him at UCLA um and that's a whole new that's a whole new kind of area to the story because like the USC, the USC allegations had already been reported, but the UCLA ones hadn't. So um, it's hard to predict where it's going to go. So where do you see USC specifically in the future in regards to taking action and its reputation? I think now is a really interesting time because, um, I mean, even with the news of Lynn Swan resigning on Monday, we've seen that Carol Folt is committed to forming her own administration. She's she's really taking steps to make sure that um, the people that she's working with are people that she trusts and people that she feels will be a helpful addition to her team. Um, And I'd like to hope that that goes towards all areas, whether it's the athletic department or the sexual abuse of students in the health center. And I think it seems like she's committed to that so far. I know the health center has gone through a lot of changes, and I'm hopeful that... um, nationally and especially at USC the attitude of oh this would never happen here or this would never happen again or this would never happen again again that attitude just goes away entirely because you never know what's going to happen and something that was clear to me from talking to a lot of people is that with any institution that employs thousands and thousands of people um and here the largest private employer the largest private employer in Los Angeles um you're bound to have bad people working for you it's just impossible to like make sure that every person you're hiring is of 100 percent great moral character that's not the question the question is how you deal with that and how you prepare for those issues so i'd like to think that um, the university will be able to implement policies that um, prevent these things from happening ever again i definitely agree with that all right thank you for your time <laughs> President and Vice President of USG, Frenton Stone, and Maheen Tawson. Um, describe your platform. What kinds of things are priorities to you when you lead the student body? Yeah. Um, so we had uh, four main categories of our platform. I'll cover, cover a couple of them. Maheen can take the others. Um, but I think the first one that we really laid out was administrative accountability. And I think given a lot that was happening, not only over the last couple of years, but more recently as well, Um, administrative accountability when it comes both on the USG side internally, but also for larger USC administration. um, That definitely was a a topic of concern for many students and definitely a priority of ours. Outside of that, I would say student resources was um, the other one. Um, Not only marketing those, but really just accessibility of student resources to make sure students can connect with the various services that USC offers or that USG offers. Yeah, I think beyond that, we were focusing on health, safety, and accessibility. It kind of goes into the conversation of student resources and whether people do have access to that fully. And then beyond that, just working on campus climate, whether that's combining it with administrative accountability or whether that's establishing a set of values for the undergraduate population. It's working collaboratively across the different um, platforms to present a cohesive undergraduate student body. Very cool. Uh, Why did you guys decide to run for USG? (laughs) (laughs) I can take that question. So I think 
some of the main reasons that we decided to run was because we wanted to present the student body with a different alternative choice of who represented them in different administrative decisions or in advocating for certain things. And I think that would be one of the primary reasons. We've both been in USG for a couple years now, so we have an understanding of the organization. And given our unique role as funding directors in USG, we had more of an external perspective of the student interests that are available at USC. So I think those two combined really did um, motivate our decision. Yeah, and I would say the, the other part of that is that Mahina and I both uh, very much prioritize from the beginning and continue to really work on uh, relationships with different campus partners. Um, that's very much been, you know, a, really a cornerstone of what we're doing, um, and that is especially true with new leadership at USC. Everyone from Dr. Folt to Vice President Crisp to so many others, um, that's really the corner of a lot of what we do and is what can help advocate for, for so much change. Yeah, right. You guys are here in like a time of new leadership, which is awesome. Um, in the past couple of years, USC has faced some difficult controversies. What kind of reactions have you seen from the student body as a result of this? Yeah, um, yeah, I can start with that. Um, I would say, um, you know, we were talking about this before, but sometimes surprised by kind of the lack of surprise. I think after scandal, after scandal, after scandal, um, people just became a bit used to it. And it's kind of like, what's next? You know, we kind of got that the phrase, you can't spell scandal without SC, um, you know, and things like that. And um, while that's unfortunate, I think it highlights that it became more commonplace over the last couple of years um, in so many different ways. And so um, I think the reaction really ha has been, been that, that it's just kind of a part of what USC is. But I hope that that's now changing. Yeah. And I think part of that, too, is with that accepting that USC continues to have scandals, there's also that other side where students are more engaged to be a part of the conversation now and they're engaged to make their voices heard in terms of the different administrative um, decisions that are made. So I think the, those are the two parts of it. It's expected, but also there's action to it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so with these reactions, do you think that the way the news portrays these controversies is accurate in how USC students feel to go here? Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> I think to not devalue any experiences, there definitely are the experiences that match what I think the media portrays about the scandals. From many people that we talk to and those that we interact with, everyone from administration to students um, to student organization leaders, everything like that, um, I don't always think that it's a perfect portrayal. And I think that obviously things are highlighted, you know, some of the extremes and um, and things like that, which definitely need to be highlighted and need to be publicized. But I think for the average USC experience, um, there's not always the perfect portrayal uh, of what's going on. But I think at the higher level of, you know, big breaking news, it's very much accurate. So what changes have you made in like your platform and the way that you choose to run USG as a result of the campus climate right now? Yeah, I can take that on a bit. I think a lot of how USG has been focused this year is working collaboratively to serve the undergraduate population. And I think that's a response to the different scandals or anything else that's happening on campus. I think a lot of students kind of feel lost on what it means to be a Trojan or what it means to be a student at USC. And I think even building a cohesive student government can hopefully advocate for that and project that onto the student body. Yeah, we've made a couple changes. One thing that we instituted this year was a task force system. So that's internal task forces in USG as a means to draw collaborative work between the different branches. We have over 120 students that work directly with us um, and then another like 400, 500 that work um, more broadly. And being able to connect those people on topics of common concern between them um, to be able to work and advocate 
Um, it's one thing that we've done internally. The other thing I'd highlight is last week we held a, something called a campus partners dinner, um, which had close to 200 people there, including uh, close to 90 administrators, everyone from President Folt, who was our keynote speaker, to multiple vice presidents and, and deans. Um, and I think that that very much is a highlight of the way that we've focused our platform um, this year and something that we're really trying to push in USG is, is really just trying to work with the different people across campus. What can students like myself who aren't involved in USG do to improve campus climate? <laughs> That's a great question. I think just like Trenton mentioned, um, the task force system is built so that there's more student engagement in mm -hmm. the advocacy work that USG does. So I think that's one great way. And I think beyond that, a lot of students do engage in their separate forms of advocacy, whether it's through the different assemblies or committees that exist within USG. Just an example would be the Environmental Student Assembly. If you're very conscious of USC sustainability goals and what can be improved, that's a great platform to engage in those conversations. and essentially like make a better um, experience for students with regards to sustainability. So I think there's multiple ways that yeah. students can do it. Yeah, all of our events are open to all and free. Um, all of those assembly meetings for so many different interests are open to everyone um, and anyone can engage in that. So when I started at USC, the reactions from people were very different than they are now. Um, so what kind of things are you doing as a student government to change the internal and external perceptions of USC in the wake of controversy? I think our comm branch has really um, <laughs> amped it up this year. Um, I'm sure maybe you've seen our new logo, but um, beyond that, I think a lot of our focus with through our communications branch is publicizing what USG does. A lot of students, when they come into USC, aren't really familiar with USG, mm -hmm. or over the course of their years, they might interact with it in some degree, but not to the extent that they should be able to. And I think that's part of it. That's one of our goals, to really have USG be a present space for every student and a resource for every student. How do you foresee the campus changing in the next five years um, in leadership, climate, and culture? Yeah, I can, I can take that. Um, so there's you know, a ton of new administrators on campus that have come from all walks of life, from many different universities. Um, and it's been pretty much a turnover, like a big overhaul, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I think right now, at least for this year, it's very much looking at what are their plans? What are their goals? How can we help implement those? Um, but then I think looking at like the five-year term, um, how will those actually be implemented? What type of follow-through will exist? Um, and what's kind of the long-term engagement that they'll have with students. So Dr. Folt has very much advocated that students are her first priority, that she's very you know, focused on student interests, and that's how she'll make decisions. Um, and I think that over the next five years, that will start to play out to change the culture of USC to be more inclusive of student interests and the interests of, of groups like staff members that are largely excluded from a lot of different um, administrative decisions. Well, you've definitely piqued my interest to become involved in USG. Like, how can students Join. become involved? <laughs> What's well, the process for that? <laughs> There's multiple ways, but right now we are doing our main recruiting cycle of the year. Um, applications are closed at 5 p.m. on Friday, February, okay. or September 13th. I don't know where February came from. But you can all apply on our website at usg.usc.edu. Um, there's applications or spots available within each of the branches, and they all engage in different ways depending on the branch. For example, the communications branch would focus more on that. Advocacy work would focus more on working on the projects that are in place and really giving a different voice or doing the research that helps push those advocacy efforts forward. Yeah, and if you don't have the time or you're committed to other organizations or to classes, 
Um, we're always open to just hear your feedback, hear your input, hear your complaints, whatever it might be if you need to rant about something <laughs> happening at USC. Um, you know, we can always hear that and pass that along um, up, up the chain. So um, if you can't directly work with us, um, we still invite you to always, to always be a part of what we're doing and, and to reach out to us. Yeah, I'd just add one more thing. So this year, um, we're also focusing more on creating our Senate meetings as more of a platform for people to express complaints or Mm -hmm. just express their ideas. And also town halls within USG um, are going to become more of a recurrent thing so that students can engage in discussions, whether it be with administrators or amongst themselves, about an issue that they are passionate about. That's it for this episode of Match Volume. Tune in every other week for new episodes. For Annenberg Media, I'm Hala Oscar. And I'm Sadie Olson. Thanks for listening.